Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Happy Wednesday, everybody. On a happy What If Wednesday, we're bringing it back after about four to five weeks of a hiatus from What If Wednesday, and we got a fun, fun story from the NFL world to discuss today on What If Wednesday. We will get to that in the B block of today's show, but first and foremost, shout out to everyone who just got done joining us here on our magical YouTube live stream and Instagram live of the final epic conclusion to the Los Angeles Clippers and Phoenix Suns game two with a back and forth. First of all, terrible game, just terrible game, terrible game plan. Not fun to watch for about three quarters, but then we got the payoff at the end with just an excellent, unbelievably entertaining finish to the game, whether it be Paul George, hitting the go-ahead basket to Devin Booker, just getting a whole foot past Patrick Beverly, pulling up from the free throw line, and Patrick Beverly just going flying by on defense to Patrick Beverly selling a foul to the face with a flop and getting the call and then coming down and getting two free throws to cut it to a one-point game, or whether it be the campaign game and Mark Jackson just using tons and tons of shitty puns talking about campaign from campaign or Paul George missing two free throws at the end of the game in a game where he shot 0 for 5 or I'm sorry 0 for 7 from the three point line before finally hitting one shot at the end whatever you want to talk about the interest is there is only one defining storyline from that game and it is the fact that Ivica Zubac of the Los Angeles Clippers got absolutely destroyed by DeAndre Ayton. Just no answer defensively for the big man. Monty Williams schemed game two around, hey, Devin Booker's not playing well. Let's just give it to Ayton and let Ayton dominate the Clippers on the inside, who for most of this playoffs have been playing Nick Batum as their starting center. 
They put Zubach on the floor at the end of games where he's just such a defensive liability towards the end that they really struggled to, to keep him on the floor there. And he got torched by a gigantic 6'10", number one overall pick, DeAndre Ayton, who, by the way, is only a year younger than me, which makes me absolutely crazy that the man was born in 1999 and I was born in 2001, just less than two years older than me, which is absolutely crazy for me to think about how good DeAndre Ayton has been and the fact that uh, a lot of the draft picks in this year's NBA draft were born in 2002. Anyways, um, what was fascinating about the end of that game, whether it be the oop at the end, it was all crazy, all fun, and uh, the Clippers really needed that one because it was a big game from campaign, and if you can survive the campaign campaign, the campaign campaign, I'm sorry, I now Mark Jackson's rubbing off on me now. If you can survive the campaign from campaign and DeAndre Ayton torching your defense before Chris Paul comes back for the Phoenix Suns, you've got a chance to, you have to, well, first of all, you have to take advantage of that because then you have a chance in the series. Clippers were trailing the entire way, got the lead right at the end, got a steal by Beverly on Devin Booker, but just two missed free throws from Paul George cost him the game the pandemic p crowd is back unfortunately and this time it's well earned because i'm gonna call it folks it's over it is over even though we've seen the clippers have two comebacks from down 0-2, this series is finito over the clippers are going home and the phoenix suns are on the verge of their first nba finals appearance since 1993 despite the fact that they hadn't even made the playoffs with this core of their team before this season. So beneficiaries of playing an injured Anthony Davis. Remember we talked to our friend house of Phoenix Suns about that. They played an injured Anthony Davis and they were down two one when Davis was cooking them. And they were like, Oh, well, it's been a good run for the Suns. Lakers are going to win in five or six games. By the way, hashtag free Alex Caruso is trending right now because he got arrested for marijuana in Texas, which not the state you want to be in to get arrested for marijuana. But uh, so anyways, the Lakers end up losing Anthony Davis. Sons are the beneficiaries of that. They're the beneficiaries of Jamal Murray being injured. And now they get to be the beneficiaries of Kawhi Leonard being injured. And ultimately, that's a lot of what the NBA is, is who can be the healthiest team at the right time. And even without Chris Paul, the Suns winning this game, too, despite a bad performance from Devin Booker ends up being a huge, huge deal for the Suns. And they just slipped by a game that the Clippers probably should have won. And really, they would have won had Paul George just hit at least one free throw. One free throw at the end of the game. And y'all would have been okay. The next thing I want to do right now before we get to our uh, What If Wednesday is uh, play a little clip from... July 12th, 2020 on the Take It Easy podcast. This was uh, about four months into the COVID-19 pandemic. We were looking for some content and on Wired Up episode 27, which we're now on Wired Up 77, which makes me just absolutely it, like berserk in my mind. On Wired Up 27, we did a Rebuilding the Detroit Pistons series. And in that episode... I mentioned something about a Mr. Cade Cunningham that uh, has aged quite well across the last 
year minus two weeks. So let's listen to what I had to say and what we did for the 2021 offseason when we were rebuilding the Detroit Pistons, which also included them actually getting something in exchange for Blake Griffin, which, by the way, they emphatically did not. But this is a moment to celebrate how smart I was about doing a lottery faked with odds, putting the Pistons with the second best odds, which, by the way, the Detroit Pistons had the second best odds in the lottery this year, and having this happen on the Take It Easy podcast. Wired Up episode 27, Rebuilding the Detroit Pistons. Again, it's difficult to project what it'll be like, but let's operate under the assumption that this team gets a top three projection. They get one of the 14.2%. The lottery simulation I ran got them the number one pick. I assigned them the number two odds, which again, one, two, or three doesn't matter. It's just which ping pong balls you get. They got the number one pick in 2021. I was celebrating in my rebuild, we get the number one pick. Odds are not as great that the Pistons get the number one pick. But this time it doesn't matter because if we get the number one pick, we're taking Cade Cunningham because that's a point guard. That's a player of the future, even though we I haven't seen him play. People say he's really good and might be a surefire number one pick. Um, Cade Cunningham's our guy. So we're getting a point guard. No ifs, ands, or buts. So lo and behold, the Detroit Pistons got the number one pick in the NBA draft. They will select Cade Cunningham. And uh, my rebuild of the Detroit Pistons is very closely resembling what is actually happening for the real Detroit Pistons with a young core of Sadiq Bay and Killian Hayes with Jeremy Grant and a plum dog millionaire, a.k.a. Mason Plumley. Pistons, Pistons have some building blocks, so they get the number one pick. Rockets keep their pick at number two, which, you know, is kind of big for them. They're going to get Evan Mobley most likely with that number two pick. Uh, third is going to be the Cavaliers. Cavaliers finally got good luck after four years of terrible luck or three years of terrible luck in the lottery and, you know, ending up with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland and Isaac Okoro and having good odds in the lottery. The Cavs finally got some good luck in the NBA draft lottery and they move up into the top four. So congrats to them. Oklahoma city gets to be the big loser of the night. Toronto continues a trend three straight years team in the number seven spot. Seventh best odds has jumped into the top four. So Toronto keeps that trend up. Not sure how that happens, but it is quite improbable in uh, reality or in nature, shall we say? So Toronto gets to be the set, the four pick Uh, Oklahoma city gets to be the big loser because they only get the six pick. Orlando gets picks five and eight, so they're going to miss out on one of those generational stars unless they want to trade up to maybe pick number three or pick number two if the Cavs or the Rockets are open for business. Who knows? Maybe maybe Orlando will pair those two picks and get a generational star, but honestly, take what you can get if you're Orlando at this point. This is part of your rebuild, so be it. Although all their chips are in on this year, so they really do need a franchise cornerstone. Maybe Jalen Suggs falls to them at number five, and we can celebrate that. Um, Timberwolves lose their pick. Warriors get picks seven and 14. They can package both of those for a nice little player. Uh, yeah, so that that was how the lottery shook out. It was a 
fun. I always pregame for the lottery by about 45 minutes for an event that really lasts like eight minutes long. Um, but it was fun. It was intense. It was jaw dropping and jarring and just getting me all nervous and hyped up. And I love the NBA draft lottery. And yeah, the most wonderful day of the year gives a big sigh of relief for Houston because they're going to get to keep their pick and draft a nice little generational, uh, I'm sorry, a nice franchise building block at number two in the draft. And uh, Detroit gets to be the big winners that we nailed on the Take It Easy podcast. Wired up episode 27, Rebuilding the Detroit Pistons. Part of the long archive of episodes you can check out all throughout the Take It Easy podcast library. Although I don't expect you to go find the Rebuilding the Detroit Pistons episode. And quite frankly, I had them trading for Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson for Blake Griffin, so maybe it's not the greatest move in the world. But still, nailed Cade Cunningham, and we can do a little dance right here on a Wednesday because we nailed that pick. Welcome in to What If Wednesday, and this week's What If Wednesday, as you may have gauged from the title of this episode, what if the Eagles under Chip Kelly in 2015 traded up and acquired his college quarterback that revolutionized the college game, Marcus Mariota? So this was a real scenario that everyone had connected to a possibility in 2015. The Eagles were scrambling to find a franchise quarterback and Chip Kelly's job was on the line and they were moving from a Sam Bradford trade. Uh, they would move. They had trade Sam Bradford to Minnesota recently, but they had just acquired Sam Bradford and they were desperately looking for a quarterback and everyone connected Marcus Mariota to the Philadelphia Eagles. And so ultimately the way the Eagles would have made this happen, moving from pick 20 up to pick number two to select Marcus Mariota would have been a trade with the Tennessee Titans who would ultimately select Marcus Mariota. And this was not entirely out of the question because it's not as if Tennessee was sold on Marcus Mariota. You may forget that in addition to this rumor of Marcus Mariota to the Eagles being floated around enough so that I could find a Jersey swap of Marcus Mariota on the Eagles from the 2015 NFL draft, not just one seven Jersey swaps of Marcus Mariota on the Eagles with a quick Google search. But also we forget that the Tennessee Titans had offered the number two pick in the draft to the chargers for Phillip rivers. And that was a real thing. It was real, really reported. It was really offered. The Chargers ended up declining the deal, ultimately a good choice by the Chargers. And they they were very open to trading the number two pick. It's not like it was totally out of the realm of possibility that the Titans were dead set on selecting Marcus Mariota with the number two pick. So in this scenario, we need to create an enticing trade that would allow the Eagles to move up from 20 to number two in the NFL draft and select Marcus Mariota. The easiest way to do that would be to add their first round pick from 2015, their first round pick from 2016, a second round pick in 2015 and old other picks down the road and maybe a player mixed in that would ultimately not be relevant to the storyline. But the core of the trade would be first round pick in 2015, first round pick in 2016 
and second round pick in 2015 to move up from 20 to two. The precedent we used to, to look through this was the Robert Griffin, the third trade between the uh, Rams and the Washington football team from 2012 uh, the 2016 Carson Wentz and Jared Goff trades that would move the Titans from 15 up to one. I'm sorry, move the Rams from 15 up to one and move the Eagles from eight up to two. So those are the two precedents that we would use to execute this trade. That would be a second. It would be a second rounder and a first in 2015, a second a first rounder in 2016. Other pieces that are not relevant to the story also included in this trade. It would be about seven to eight pieces going back to the uh, Tennessee Titans to move up to number two. So let's say the Eagles pull the trigger on this trade. Ultimately, what those what those picks that we talked about would become is Nelson Aguilar, Eric Rowe, and the 2016 first rounder would be the pick that became Jack Conklin, which ultimately would end up in the Titans' hands anyway. So the Titans would get Jack Conklin, they get Nelson Aguilar, and they get Eric Rowe to move down to pick number 20. Not a great haul for the Titans, but a deal at the time that they would be willing to make, and I didn't look at who they would get until after the fact. Maybe one thing that helps is the fact that they don't draft Doriel Green Beckham in the second round of 2015, Maybe they go get a better player than Doriel Green Beckham. We'll see what that ends up being, but ultimately not super relevant to our story. At least once we get further into it, let's not get bogged down in the details. But one cool cycle of working back around is that the Titans acquired the pick that ultimately they would get Jack Conklin with by trading down next year from pick number one to pick number 15 and then trading back up to pick number eight. So the core of that trade would be Nelson Aguilar, Eric Rowe, and Jack Conklin going to the Philadelphia E, I'm sorry, to the Tennessee Titans. So then we move forward to the 2016 NFL draft. So that's the only big move of the 15 draft is those picks switching hands. The Eagles get Marcus Mariota, which ultimately wouldn't work out as well for them. If you want me to throw in more assets because it's a 20 pick to the two pick, so be it. There's about seven or eight. None of them are relevant to the story. So the key pieces would be Aguilar, Eric Rowe, and Jack Conklin going to the Titans. Okay, so now we go to the 2016 draft. Because the Titans still don't have a quarterback, the Titans still have the number one pick in the 2016 NFL draft. But this time, they don't trade out of the number one pick in the draft. They stay and select... Jared Goff with the first pick in the NFL draft. Now we have no idea to know whether or not the Titans would have picked Jared Goff or Carson Wentz with the number one or number two pick. So the easiest way to do that is to go based on precedent and say that Jared Goff was the first pick and Carson Wentz was the second pick, despite the fact that if you had to do it over again, the Titans would have picked Carson Wentz with the number one pick. So instead of trading that pick to the Rams, like they did in real life, the Titans sit at number one and draft Jared Goff and draft him a left tackle in Jack or sorry, a right tackle in Jack Conklin with the number eight pick that they got from trading for Marcus Mariota. The Rams still very much want a quarterback. And in this scenario, they trade up to number two with the Browns, who are still very open to a trade because the Eagles already got their quarterback. 
they don't need to trade up in 2016 to get Carson Wentz. They have Marcus Mariota. So the number two pick, the Browns trade with the Rams. And we're going to call it simple as can be the exact same trade that the Browns. I'm sorry, the exact same trade that the Titans made with the Rams in the 2016 draft to move up to number one. This time we'll say they go to number two, though. So we're going to call it the exact same trade, exact same picks, exact same everything to move up to number one. What people may not remember is what that trade ended up becoming for the Tennessee Titans. You see, when they moved down to number 15 and the Rams moved up to number one, that trade ended in Jack Conklin, Derrick Henry, and Jonu Smith. In this new trade, it ends up being for the Cleveland Browns, still Corey Coleman, bust, Derrick Henry, and Jonu Smith, all on the Cleveland Browns instead of on the Tennessee Titans. And so the Rams go up to number one. They select Carson Wentz. You can make an argument that with Carson Wentz instead of Jared Goff, maybe they win the 2018 Super Bowl, but at the same time, maybe Carson Wentz wasn't healthy. But at the same same time, Carson Wentz got hurt playing for the Rams or playing for the Eagles against the Rams. So maybe the other way around, Carson Wentz doesn't get hurt playing against the Eagles on the on the Rams in 2017 when he was about to win the MVP and gets Sean McVay as his head coach. So who knows what would have happened had Carson Wentz ended up on the Los Angeles Rams. Maybe he would still be a Los Angeles Ram and maybe the Rams would have an extra Super Bowl to show for it. Who knows? It's interesting, especially when you give Carson Wentz a Todd Gurley. Would have been interesting to see how his career would have gone differently if he had gone to the Rams at number one instead of the Eagles at number two. So in this scenario, the Rams draft Carson Wentz. In that trade at number two, that would send those guys to Cleveland instead of to the Titans. So now Derrick Henry is the big running back for the Cleveland Browns who are going to go on to lose a ton of games in 2017. In fact, go winless for the most part that entire season or win one game and select Miles Garrett with the top pick in the draft. So now we fast forward to 2017 because the Cleveland Browns now have the Tennessee Titans pick, but because the Titans have, uh, sorry, because the Titans have Jared Goff instead of Marcus Mariota. I'm sorry. No, the Browns have the Rams pick. Sorry, because the Rams have Carson Wentz, one year under Jeff Fisher instead of Jared Goff. The Browns pick that was a or the pick that was originally at number five is now at number eight from the Tennessee Titans. I'm sorry, from the Los Angeles Rams, not the Tennessee Titans from the Los Angeles Rams. The Titans would end up using that pick on Corey Davis in this new scenario. The Browns have the number eight pick. And if the Browns had wanted to, they could have taken Patrick Mahomes at pick number eight. But honestly, we're going to be a little bit more realistic and say that the Cleveland Browns select Marshawn Lattimore with the number eight pick in the NFL draft, which then changes the math for the New Orleans Saints. Because many forget that Sean Payton was extremely high on Patrick Mahomes 
going into the 2017 NFL draft. And they sat at number 11. And the reason that the Chiefs gave up those picks to move up to number 10 with Buffalo was because Patrick Mahomes was available at 11 and the Saints would have scooped him up. So in this new scenario, without Marshawn Lattimore on the board at 11, the Saints decide to pull the trigger, move up to number nine, and select Patrick Mahomes. And in that very moment, changing that one result breaks the entire NFL because now you have Patrick Mahomes waiting a year behind Drew Brees, or maybe two years behind Drew Brees coming into the NFL and dominating the sport for the past two years like the Saints were already doing with suboptimal quarterback play from Drew Brees. So that's a remarkable turn of events that puts Patrick Mahomes in a Saints jersey. And because the Chiefs can't get Mahomes now, they stay at 27. Select Tredavious White, so it's not the end of the world for the Kansas City Chiefs. They still get Tredavious White at pick 27. Buffalo sits at number 10. And instead of getting Tredavious White and picks that would ultimately help them go get Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills sit and pick Corey Davis with the 10th pick in the draft. And so the Texans, who still want Deshaun Watson, decide to go up to number 12 with, instead of the Cleveland Browns, now with the Philadelphia Eagles, who used their picks Instead of trading with the Browns to get Carson Wentz, they traded them with the Titans to get Marcus Mariota. So the Browns, who would have held the Eagles pick at number 12, now don't hold that pick. The Eagles sit at number 12, and instead of drafting Watson themselves, they trade down with the Texans so the Texans can get Deshaun Watson, which ultimately means, if you forget how that pick panned out, Jabril Peppers and Denzel Ward instead of going to the Browns, now go to the Philadelphia Eagles. Fun little trip right there. Now, ultimately, the Buffalo Bills did get quite a bit screwed, but you know what ends up happening for the Kansas City Chiefs? Now they can go up with their excess draft capital. Maybe, just maybe, go get Josh Allen in the 2018 draft, which is what we'll fast forward to a little bit right now, because in the 2018 NFL draft, some picks are getting moved around a little bit. So now we have a scenario where the chiefs go out and get maybe Josh Allen with their excess draft capital in the 22 pick the same exact way that the Buffalo Bills did with the Kansas City Chiefs pick. The Browns, who now have Derrick Henry, don't need to draft Nick Chubb with the 35th pick in the NFL draft. So who do they pick instead? The person who went 36 in the NFL draft, Darius Leonard. The all-pro linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts is now a Cleveland Brown. But as a nice little consolation prize for the Colts, you guys get to walk away with Nick Chubb behind Quinton Nelson and that offensive line. Totally revolutionized the Colts offense for a team that 
pretty much has anyone who put who anyone in that backfield goes for a thousand yards. And we know this because Marlon Mack has rushed for a thousand yards twice for the Indianapolis Colts. Anyone can get a thousand yards in that backfield. And imagine if you got Nick Chubb on that team. Yes, you lose Darius Leonard. It's obviously a loss for the Colts, but I attest getting Nick Chubb, not a bad consolation prize if you're a fan of the Colts. The Eagles, of course, as we mentioned, also got Denzel Ward from that trade that they made over with Deshaun Watson and got the number four pick in the NFL draft. So that's four years of draft implications that are altered by one Marcus Mariota trade. So what are the end results for the six teams that we mentioned involved, excluding the Colts who are slightly involved at the end? We mentioned it. They add Darius Leonard, they subtract, or they add Nick Chubb, they subtract Darius Leonard. Simple enough. Let's start off with the perspective of the Buffalo Bills. Just royally screwed. Sorry, Buffalo Bills fans. You really did kind of need to trade down with the Kansas City Chiefs. Just royally screwed out of your picks. So sorry, not sorry, but Bills Mafia, I've said nice things about you before. So sorry, not sorry. You get royally screwed. Chiefs, not terrible. You lose Patrick Mahomes, but you get Josh Allen. And according to Chris Sims, Patrick Mahomes is the number one quarterback in the NFL, but Josh Allen is the number two quarterback in the NFL, of which I vehemently disagree with right now, but also acknowledge that I just need a larger sample size from Josh Allen. But that's another story. Chris Sims is very smart at quarterbacks. Just disagree with the idea that Josh Allen's at the top. Pretty much agree with most of the stuff that he talks about afterwards, except the disrespect he showed to Atunga Vailoa. Just straight disrespectful to put him below Drew Locke. So the Chiefs subtract Mahomes, but they add Josh Allen. I'd say it's a loss, but maybe not the worst loss in the world. The Rams end up with Carson Wentz instead of Jared Goff. And as we mentioned a little bit earlier, maybe things turn out differently in 2017 when Carson Wentz was going to win league MVP for the Los Angeles Rams instead of the Eagles. Or maybe things turn out differently. And that was Sean McVay's first year, by the way. So maybe things turn out differently in Sean McVay's second year with a semi-healthy Carson Wentz, who maybe doesn't tear his ACL, who maybe looks like an MVP and still has a semi-healthy Todd Gurley, who helps get them to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. So who knows what changes with Carson Wentz at quarterback instead of Jared Goff. I'll leave that up to the discretion of the listener to figure out how that changes. So for the Titans, the Titans go from drafting Marcus Mariota to adding, as we mentioned earlier, Nelson Aguilar, Eric Rowe, and still getting Jack Conklin. The Titans with Jared Goff at quarterback, no Derrick Henry, and no Jonu Smith end up kind of in a bad situation because you don't get that superstar running back to build the, around your team. So the Titans ultimately can't provide much for Jared Goff offensively. Maybe it allows them to invest in other places, but ultimately it looks like a lot of Deion Lewis and Adam Humphreys and irrelevance for the Titans for another five years. And John Robinson 
just gets kind of screwed out of some options by trading down at the wrong time instead of trading down and getting Derrick Henry, Jonu Smith, and Jack Conklin. So the Titans end up with Jared Goff in the 2016 draft. Goff struggles out the gate, struggles in 2017, struggles in 2018. The Titans find themselves back in the place that they were with signing Ryan Tannehill. And maybe Ryan Tannehill looks better with some Derrick Henry and with some A.J. Brown. They still have A.J. Brown, so that makes your life a little bit easier. But without that running back platoon, doesn't look as good for the Titans in 2019 where they make that AFC championship run. I think without Derrick Henry and not getting like a Nick Chubb as a replacement, uh, things don't look very good for the Tennessee Titans. So just the way the cookie crumbles, I guess, for the Titans. The Saints. Saints. Imagine having Patrick Mahomes replace Drew Brees in 2019 and 2020. Saints might be back-to-back Super Bowl champions. That's the one that changes all the math on this, is that the Saints get the courage to pull the trigger and get Patrick Mahomes instead of letting the Chiefs go up and trade up ahead of them to get Patrick Mahomes. That one changes all the math on the future of the NFL. As do the last two teams who are the most heavily impacted by this deal. The Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns ultimately get Baker Mayfield, get Miles Garrett, still go through the same rebuild, but the rebuild produces even more savory results than what they had in the past. You add Darius Leonard. You add Marshawn Lattimore. You add Derrick Henry. You add Jonu Smith. Yes, there's some tough subtractions there. For example, you add Derrick Henry, which is a slight upgrade over Nick Chubb. You add Marshawn Lattimore, which is a slight upgrade over Denzel Ward. Maybe they're about even. You could argue both sides of that one. You add Jonu Smith, but you subtract Jabril Peppers, which maybe affects your ability to acquire Odell Beckham, which might actually be a net positive for Cleveland since they gave up uh, Dexter Lawrence and Jabril Peppers for essentially an overpaid wide receiver too. We've talked about Odell Beckham before on this podcast and the fact that Odell Beckham will play this year in Cleveland and then be released at the end of next season to sign wherever it is that Odell Beckham may please. So yes, these are slight. Oh, and also you add Darius Leonard, which is just an excellent upgrade for the Cleveland Browns all across the board. So the Browns undoubtedly get better and maybe it puts them in a Super Bowl contending position. But this rebuild for the Browns, of which we talked about on Wired Up episode 76, a couple. No, it was on a Friday. Sorry, it was on a Friday. We talked about the Brown turnaround. This turnaround for the Cleveland Browns that was so successful could be even more successful by netting the same assets that the Titans got by moving down so that the Rams could go get their franchise quarterback in 2016 instead of the trade that they made ultimately in the end, which cost them Denzel Ward and Jabril Peppers, of which they both subtracted because they made the deal with the Titans instead of the deal with the Eagles. And mentioning those Philadelphia Eagles, here's how the story plays out for them. Since they aren't the most heavily impacted, but they are the team by which this story revolves around. So the Philadelphia Eagles in 2015 under Chip Kelly struggle mightily. Chip Kelly gets to 
keep his job for another year, but ultimately he gets fired the next year. Pushes back the timeline. They ultimately might still be able to hire Doug Peterson because Doug Peterson might not get a job in that same cycle. So let's say they get to hire Doug Peterson just in the 2017 season instead of the 2018 season. Well, this is the year that the Eagles are at their absolute peak. Peak physically, great offensive line, great defense, great draft picks that they've made across these years. Sure, they're down in Eric Rowe and Nelson Aguilar, but ultimately, it's not the worst thing in the world for the Philadelphia Eagles. And Marcus Mariota, despite his shortcomings and despite his injuries, can do just enough with one of the great offensive lines in the history of the NFL protecting him and an offense that doesn't predicate on him running the ball at a ridiculous rate and taking gigantic hits, Marcus Mariota remains much healthier than he was early on in his career. And Mariota plays like a better version of the guy we saw a lot in Tennessee and a little bit last year with the Raiders. And it's serviceable enough that even if Marcus Mariota goes down in 2017, even if Nick Foles has to come in and win them that Super Bowl, there is a scenario where we're talking about Marcus Mariota, Super Bowl champion for the Philadelphia Eagles. And maybe his career trajectory progresses similarly to Carson Wentz. Marcus Mariota has similarly battled injuries across his career. He's similarly a big-armed quarterback who can take big hits at times and battles with, you know, usually questionable day-to-day injuries or week-to-week injuries every season. So maybe their careers progress about the same. Maybe Marcus Mariota just becomes Carson Wentz in an Eagles uniform. I'm sorry, becomes the ver- what Carson Wentz became just in an Eagles uniform instead of in a Titans uniform. Maybe that's the tra- career trajectory for Marcus Mariota. But it ultimately means there's a scenario where either Marcus Mariota gets to be Super Bowl champion Marcus Mariota, leading a team and maybe winning a Super Bowl MVP, or his injuries derail him and we still get the same Nick Foles scenario where he comes in and wins the Super Bowl with an extremely talented defense and offensive line which is ultimately the biggest thing that you need in these sports. Yes, you lose Nelson Aguilar, but you still have Alshon Jeffrey. You still have that trio of running backs, whether it was uh, Corey Clement or Jay Ajayi or friend of the show, LeGarrette Blunt, three-time Super Bowl champion LeGarrette Blunt. By the way, check out LG's Feel Good on Instagram for his 100% organic CBD oil. And check out the podcast we did with Garrett Blunt as well. But that's enough self-promoting here. What the important part of this story is that the Philadelphia Eagles kind of have the same trajectory with Mariota or without Mariota. Whether it's Mariota or Wentz in there, they probably still win the 2017 Super Bowl. They don't lose the same draft picks that they had before. Because as we mentioned, they were going to trade Jack Conklin to get Carson Wentz. And they only parted ways with Nelson Aguilar and Eric Rowe, who as great as they are, weren't instrumental parts of the Super Bowl Eagles. And they had Denzel Ward, which is just like icing on the cake for the Philadelphia Eagles to help with that already amazing defense. So realistically, the Eagles aren't the one impacted the most by the trade. Their trajectory looks kind of similar, especially if we just dock up Mariota's career to be like Carson Wentz's career. But it's what happens because of that trade And what happens to the Browns and to the Titans and to the Rams and to the Chiefs and to the Saints 
and Patrick Mahomes and Darius Leonard and Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry and Denzel Ward, Marshawn Lattimore. What happens to these fundamental superstars in the NFL is the lasting impact of this what-if story around Carson Wentz and Marcus Mariota and Jared Goff and the Titans and the Rams and the Eagles and Chip Kelly and all of the craziness that would have happened had they pulled the trigger on something that to this day is still kind of talked about on the back burners of NFL history. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping into the Take It Easy podcast. We release episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up on Sundays. Check out our podcast from yesterday about the NBA draft lottery if you want to hear about the full odds, projections, some fun stats that ended up coming true, like the 90% chance that either Oklahoma City or Cleveland would end up getting a top four pick. Congrats to Cleveland. You end up being the lucky winner in that scenario. Um, make sure to follow, download, and leave a five-star review. Doesn't have to be a nice review. Just has to be a five-star review. Um, say mean things. I don't care. As long as you leave five stars, I'm happy with it. Um, check out the DSD podcast. Check out our YouTube, our uh, open talk radio show, which will be live tomorrow as well on YouTube. Well, today on YouTube and on Wednesday and Thursday on YouTube. We might only have one this week, but uh, that's enough self-promoting now that I think about it. Um, just check out all the stuff with the link in the description to today's episode and support all the work that we are doing here. So that being said, ladies and gentlemen, take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit